seated if you're not already. And you can continue to use the art area at the back if you wish to. Is it, does anybody... You're getting surprised by musicians appearing behind me. Um, didn't the music sound wonderful this morning? Thank you, musicians. Singers, all of you. Uh, anybody here um, currently living in or has lived in a country that is not what you would call your own? Put up your hand. That's quite a few of us. That's, so that's probably about roughly kind of a third to a half of us. How, how does it, I mean, I could tell you about my experience, but I'm interested to hear from you. How, how does it feel in those first day, hours, days, and weeks when you start to try and establish a life for however long you're there in, in a country that's not your own? Tell me, Mark. Uh, exciting, frightening, disconcerting. Exciting, frightening, disconcerting. Anybody else? I would say about the interesting thing go on. is that this is now my home, and when I go back to England, I feel yeah. frightened disconcerted. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else add to that? I was going to say this. You're going to say this. <laughs> my, 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 my sister lives in California. Uh, she, she moved there in about end of 1996, October 1996, that month is significant, and so it was just her and her husband, they didn't have children at the time, and they arrived in America, and you know, they'd had extra long getting through um, immigration, uh, I don't, can't remember why, and you know, you know what it's like if you got off a long flight several time zones, you're tired and stressed, and you're confused and excited and disconcerted and all those other things, so my sister describes very vividly, they were waiting at the luggage the baggage carousel in, the air, in San Francisco airport waiting for their baggage and they were just, my sister was just kind of blankly through a haze of tears kind of staring at the floor kind of wondering what have we done and then she, kind of she, she saw these two big black bulbous cartoon style feet kind of just on the periphery of her vision and then she kind of looked up further and there, there was a a man dressed in a giant bumblebee suit <laughs> next to her. And she was like, am I dreaming? Am I, uh, am I awake? Is this actually happening? And she then put two and two together that Americans make a big thing of Halloween. And it was a security guard at the airport dressed up for Halloween. <laughs> and, this, <laughs> and this was her welcome to America. So she was extremely disconcerted, but as Mark has described, when, you know, last time uh, she was back in the UK, which is the same time as me for my dad's funeral in uh, September, you know, she, she kind of said almost the same as Mark has just described, you know, that is, Edinburgh is no longer her home, her home is California, and she is now used to people in giant bee costumes on October the 31st. It is, it is strange and disconcerting. Uh, today is the last day of the church, or the last Sunday of the church year. Churches of our tradition, Anglican tradition, work to a slightly different calendar to the normal calendar. So, so the normal calendar, December the 31st, as you know, is the last day of the year. But this is the last Sunday of the church's year, and it's a Sunday on which we reflect that Christ is king. Jesus is king. 
And Jesus, uh, reflecting on his kingship when he was being uh, questioned by uh, Pilate. Uh, was it Pilate or Herod? I've lost my place again. I did this at the 8 o'clock as well. Before Pilate, he said, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place. Jesus had this profound sense that he was from another place, that his kingdom, the things that he rules over, were not of this world, but were of another world. And then when our experience of being in another place, another country, can be strange and disconcerting at first, this other place that Jesus rules over is a place of profound comfort and healing and joy. See, we are used to thinking of a kingdom as a geographically founded place. The queen or the king of the UK, of Great Britain, for example, reigns over a geographical area, right? Britain. And that's where, in theory, her will is done. And Canada and Australia. And Canada and Australia. We still have Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, it's a geographically bounded area. But for Jesus, his kingdom is wherever people are doing his work. So it's not a geographically bounded place as we are used to thinking about a kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus, of Christ the King, is wherever people are doing his work. Which means if you go to another country and you feel disconcerted and you feel scared and tired and all those other things that we described, you, if you're doing the work of Jesus, you are still under the reign of the good king. And those feelings don't stop being feelings, but it's also true that God is with you and that Jesus is reigning over you in that place and that you're on his territory. If you are doing the work of Jesus. Jesus is king. He is risen and ascended and he is reigning. There's a picture in the book of Revelation of this king from another place, right at the start of the book. First, we're told that Jesus makes us to be a kingdom, you and I to be a kingdom, so we are the kingdom because we are doing Jesus' works, and priests. So it's not just people like me, we're all priests and we are all part of the kingdom. Jesus made us a kingdom and priests to serve God and Father, to him be glory and power forever. And then there's this amazing picture of King Jesus. I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash round his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Right, who's going to draw that? (laughs) See, John, who's writing this, isn't... He's lost for words. He's overwhelmed by this vision of Jesus as the king from another place, who reigns wherever 
his will is done, wherever his work is done. And did you notice he doesn't say his hair was wool? He said his hair was kind of like wool. There was, his eyes were not blazing fire, but were like blazing fire, saying, it's so indescribable, it's a bit like this. This other place where Jesus' will is done in its completion and its fullness and its entirety is something so profound and different to what we're used to that we can only reach after. It's a bit like this. So how do we respond to that? Well, the kingdom is wherever you go. And if you are doing Jesus' work, if you are responding to his work in you and seeking to do that work for others and show others that there's a king, then that kingdom from another place is where your feet are and where your hands are. And our job is to show others who aren't aware of this king from another place that there is a king, that there is a king reigning over them, to alert them to the reign of King Jesus. But how do we respond to this incredible picture of Jesus? We can sing as we have been doing. We can be reminded of the price he's paid to have us in his kingdom, in the bread and the wine. But we're going to need all of our being to respond to this, which is why it's appropriate to use artistic expression in our response to God. Because sometimes just saying words or just singing a factual statement, Jesus is king or something, just doesn't quite do it. And we need to reach after the metaphor, the image, the picture, the idea to help us express that. Our king is the king of creation. The king of creativity who places his gifts and this ability in us so that we can reflect it back to him. So I encourage you to, whether it's in the context of a church service, and I hope we'll be able to do this again, to have the art spaces at the back of church, or some other time, use artistic creativity to reflect your relationship with God and to reflect on Jesus as king. But the, the thing I want us to take away most of all is that wherever you go, Jesus is king. So Zach's going away for nine, ten months, Zach? It doesn't mean you're leaving Jesus' kingship. Jesus is with you. He's king. The king is with you. Wherever your feet tread, wherever you do the work of expressing God's love, wherever you do the work of justice and hope, wherever you do the work of healing and reconciliation, wherever you do the job of speaking Jesus' truth, Jesus is king and Jesus is with you. And that's the same for each of us. If you go into the workplace where you feel like you're surrounded by people who don't know him, if you are being Jesus' person there, then he is with you. You are not alone. Jesus is king. In the family gathering that's awkward, in the sickness that forces you to your bed, in the search for jobs, whatever it is, If you are seeking to respond to Jesus, if you are his person doing his work, then Jesus the King is with you. The King. The King. The King before whom one day all other kings and queens will cast their crowns. You don't look very happy about it, frankly. (laughs) 
Isn't that good news? How does that change what you fear? Just reflect on that for a moment. How does this fact of Jesus being king and of Jesus reigning wherever his work is being done, how does that change what you fear? How will it change what you do or say, the places you go this week? Jesus is king, and he is with you. Just reflect on that in a moment of quiet.